0: Hey, uh, before I get into my message today, inside your bulletin, uh, didn't call attention to this yet, is uh, uh, a little advertisement for the next sermon series we're going to kick off next week. And I'm really excited about this. It's the seven habits of great relationships. Come on, it's church. Uh, this is a great place to confess. How many of you would be honest enough to admit that you are sitting next to someone who really needs help in relationships? Yeah. Yeah. Hand this card to him, say, you need to be back in church next Sunday. I guarantee you that. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because the Bible talks so much about relationships. And I think we really miss some of the great truth and great gems that the Bible gives us. Uh, In fact, Jesus was really clear. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then he says, and the second is equally important. And that's to do what, church? to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I don't know about you, I have found it a lot harder to get along with people here on earth than I have with God. And I think it's all about them. We'll, we'll figure that out in this next series. Hope that you'll come. Hope that you'll bring somebody with you next week. I've been doing a series for the last several weeks on the cross. The title of the series was called Crosswords. And every week we've been looking at a, um, a truth uh, or, an impact of the cross, why Jesus died, and what it did for us, and what He wants to do through us because of it. And today, as I end that series, I, I want to end with a word that is really the, the cross propelling us toward the resurrection, and that word is hope. You know, many of that day when Jesus died thought that the cross was the end. But it wasn't the end. It wasn't Jesus lived, Jesus taught, Jesus did miracles, and Jesus died, period. The cross was just a comma. And they kept on writing, God kept on writing his story in us. And that led us to the day of the resurrection. And look at me. And the resurrection changed everything. You see, the resurrection all of a sudden proved that Jesus really was who he claimed to be, God in the flesh, that he wasn't just another teacher or another prophet or even another martyr. He was the one who could change our lives. And Peter writes about that in, in his letter. And I love how he phrases it. We, we sang about this earlier in the worship. If you want to take your sermon outline, you out you your bulletin, you can track along with me. We'll throw everything up on the screen for you. Look at what Peter says. This is only one verse. Would you read it out loud with me? praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now circle those words if you're a note taker, living hope, a living hope that Christ has come to be a living hope in our lives. You know, when I sat back this week and I was just kind of camping on that verse, and I, I just started thinking of all of the ways in our lives that we really need that resurrection power and that resurrection hope. And I thought of so many, but, but today I want to I lock in on a few that I think at least somewhere along the way on this journey of life, all of us are going to need that kind of hope. Are you ready? Here we go. The resurrection gave us gave us hope in a lot of different things, and here's what here's. Let me give you a few of them. One is there is hope for our impossible situations. There's hope for our impossible situations. Um, I heard years ago. Whenever you hear someone use the word impossible, listen for a snicker from heaven. Because those are the kinds of things that God can absolutely uh, specify in. I mean, he, those are the things that he specializes in. I want you to look at the, the verse from Jeremiah 20, uh, 32, 17 right there. He says, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Now read it with me. Nothing is too hard for you. Read it again. Nothing is too hard for you do you believe that? Do you believe that the God who created all of this can take the messes that we're in and recreate them? I love how Jesus framed it. When he was talking to him, they were talking about things being impossible. Jesus looked at them intently and he said, humanly speaking, humanly speaking, it is impossible. Read it with me. But with God, everything is possible. With God, Everything is possible. For some of you who who are here this morning, for some of you who are watching online, I promise you, there are some situations and you're going, it's impossible. Nothing more can be done. Oh, really? Or is there true what the Bible says that nothing truly is too hard for God? Um, About 20 years ago, there was a woman by the name of Cindy West uh, she was pregnant and about to give birth to a son. Two weeks before um, she was to give birth, she they made a, a discovery that was absolutely horrifying. They discovered that this baby that she was carrying um, suffered from a, uh, a really horrible genetic disorder that's called Pfeiffer uh, type 2, syndrome Pfeiffer syndrome type 2. And they told her, they said, this syndrome, what happens is that, that the brain, And the the skull become disformed, you know, just, it becomes, there's abnormalities in its formation. And they said, many, many of the children don't even survive birth. Ones that do survive, you can expect will live no more than 18 months. Now, if you could imagine as a mother, Cindy said, you know, when she got that news, she said, you're absolutely devastated. And she said, you know, here you're, we're looking forward to, to raising this little boy. And all of a sudden we realize that he's going to, if he's born at all, I mean, if he, if he survives at all for any length of time, that his days are going to be in suffering. And she said she was so overwhelmed by it all that she said, I literally found myself praying, dear God, as much as I love this child within me, if this is going to be the fate of his life, then take him now. Take him now. But God didn't. And little Braden West was born. And as the doctors had said, he was born with a, a, a very deformed skull and, and they d- discerned that he was gonna suffer from all kinds of, of mental and physical abnormalities and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and he struggled in his health. In fact, uh, throw that picture up on the screen. This is a little picture of little Braden. And he struggled, really struggled in his health. In fact, there were different times that they thought they were for surely they were going to lose him. And when they came to the end of all that they could do, they actually called hospice in and he was put in hospice care. And he had a, had a nurse by the name of Michelle Lynn, though Michelle's picture up here. Uh, Michelle was his hospice nurse and she said, she just fell in love with little Braden. And she said, I just felt there was something special about this kid. And, uh, and while he was in her care, she said, every single day I prayed for Braden. And she said, and his health would go up and down during those months that he was in care. And she said, I, I kept praying. She said, one night he was near to death. And I, I just said, dear God, if, if you're not going to heal him, then please be merciful. Just take him home. Just take him home. But Braden lived through the night. And she said, and then unbelievably, Braden started getting better. And she said, we weren't doing anything. There was no treatment that we could do. All we could do was basically keep him alive. But, but his body began to get stronger and he he began to be able to do more and more. And she said, finally, it came to a place. There was nothing else we could do for him. So he was the only child ever released alive from hospice. And he went home. And there, Braden began to grow. In fact, he acted like a little boy acted and went to school like little little boys do. And he kept growing clear up till he was 18 years of age. And at 18, when he was getting ready to graduate from high school, Cindy West called Michelle Lynn and said, hey, we're gonna have a graduation for for, for Braden. We would love you to come. And they had stayed in touch through the years. Throw that picture up on the screen. And there's Michelle with Braden now at 18, graduating from high school. Throw that next picture up on the screen. Braden graduated from Apollo High School Look at me with a three point eight grade point average. you could add all four of my high school years together, and you would not get a three point eight grade point average I mean, this kid instead of, instead of being you know mentally slow, this kid was actually really, really sharp he was very he was very smart and Braden had a dream and it was it was what they thought when he was young they thought it was an impossible dream is he wanted he wanted to fly he wanted to be a part of the Air National Guard. throw that next picture up and guess what. He was inducted into the Air National Guard. Throw that next picture up on the screen. And there he is, flying for the Air National Guard, helping to protect our country. Uh, what an incredible story. And, and when I read, you rewind the tape to when, Brian, when Braden was born, they would have said, this is impossible. This is impossible. He, 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 the kids don't come out of this. But he did. Look at me. With God, all things are possible, you know. When I was when I read Braden's story, um, I, I decided to go to his Facebook page and, you know, and just uh, what do you call it? That's, Creeping, yeah, I wanted to say sneaking, creeping. I wanted to creep around. Uh, Yeah, some of you do that. I know you do. But I I went to his Facebook page just to kind of check him out. And here was one of the posts. Well, let me throw that picture up on the screen. Throw that next picture up. Braden's mom had this picture on her Facebook page. Braden became, through the process of this, if you can imagine, he realizes that he is here only by the grace of God. And he's become just an incredible young man of faith. Throw that next picture up on the screen. This was on Braden's Facebook page. Read it with me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Now, look at me. I just want you to hear my heart. I don't, I don't know what your impossible situation might be. I have no idea what you may be up against or what circumstances. People around you may have said that's impossible. But I want to tell you again, the resurrection showed us one thing. With God, all things are possible. Amen? Amen. You better believe it. Secondly, another, another hope that comes to us from the story of the resurrection is that there is hope for those who are far from God. There's hope for those who are far from God. You know, Some of the great stories after the resurrection are, are the stories like of Peter, who under pressure denied that he even knew Jesus, and yet here we see Jesus after the resurrection, you know, meeting up with Peter and and helping him to come back to faith and and becoming a, a man of God. We see the story of Thomas who doubted. He said, you know, unless unless he, I can you know put my hand in the wound in Jesus' side or, or put my finger in the wounds on his hand, I'm not going to believe that he's alive. And guess what? Thomas got to do that, and he too becomes a man of faith. You see the story of Paul who, who was. So against Christianity, he started having Christians put to death and yet Jesus confronts him and Paul too becomes a man of faith. All these men were were people who were far from God, but they weren't outside of the reach of the grace of our heavenly father. And yet it, it just made again, made known what the ministry of Jesus was from the beginning. Luke 5, look at what it says. People were giving Jesus a hard time about hanging out with sinners. He said, You know what? It's the sick who need a doctor, not those in good health. My purpose is to invite sinners to turn from their sins and not spend my, my time with those who think themselves already good enough. There's hope. There's hope for you, there's hope for those that you know. Yeah, every one of us probably along the way, either in looking at our own lives or looking at the life of someone else, have probably said, mm, I, I don't think there's any hope for them. I think they're you know, not ever going to make it. But yet, it's funny how God can work even in the most difficult of circumstances with people who are running away from him. Steve Cottom, uh sent me a an obituary last week, I had, last Sunday I'd done a, a message on grace, and I had written a devotional about obituaries, and Steve sent me one. He said, here's one you might not have seen, and, I, and it's so cool because it shows how great God's power and grace really is. Um, throw that picture up on the screen. That's Randy Huffman. Randy's obituary was in the, in the Oklahoman back in December, and it, uh, I'm just going to read you some of what his kids wrote about their dad that he was 68 years old when he died uh, after a long battle with heart disease and emphysema. He'll be laid to rest on December 14th at Mustang Cemetery with all of his beloved cats, just like a pharaoh, (laughs) which I thought was really funny. Now listen to this. It said, if you knew dad, chances are he was your drug dealer or you were his drug dealer or you did drugs together. And if you were close friends, you grew your product together. Most likely, Dad had ripped you off, or you had ripped him off, or you were ripping people off together. Besides the above mentioned, he was a contractor, a maintenance man, a salesman, a drug runner for the mafia, a store manager, and he ran a storage unit facility. All of his jobs helped him with the above mentioned side jobs. Dad was the life of the party. He thought he could out drink anyone, but usually was the first guy to pass out. Dad loved telling jokes, laughing at good jokes. He also loved tripping, like back in the 70s and 80s, eating boiled shrimp, but his favorite pastime was watching his beloved Dallas Cowboys. He just knew they'd make a comeback one day. Sorry, Randy. After living a life, listen to this, after living a life on the wild side, which included living on the run for 20 years, dad was diagnosed with emphysema. He knew that one day he was going to have to meet his maker and be accountable for all of his worldly ways, and this was concerning for dad because, well, he hadn't lived a good life. Dad started changing the way he lived. He started caring for people. He left his life of crime behind him, and he started asking questions about salvation. He got really serious for the first time in his life. And he dove into the word of God. In 2019, we helped dad find an apostolic church close to his home. He drove his scooter over every service that he could physically make. And he was baptized to wash away his sins that he had ever committed and received the spirit of God. As Acts 2.38 tells us, we must do to be saved. COVID hit. And yet dad continued to watch church services online. His health declined and he was never able to make it back to church in person, but he was faithful to watch every single Sunday. We wanna say a special thank you to the church who provided that online service because you're in, because of your ministry, dad was able to grow in his understanding of God's love and grace. And I do not want you to miss this last line. We want everyone to know If God can save Randy Huffman, God can save you. No one is ever too far from the arm of God. Amen? Amen. And I want to reiterate that to you today. Because sometimes there are some of us that think that, you know, we've done too much. We've gone too far. We've been away too long. And you haven't. God's arms of love are still open to you. Some of us have some people in our life and they're kind of like Randy, man. They're out there on the wild side uh, living this kind of life and you've tried to talk and it's like talking to a wall when they're not listening. But you, look at me, you keep on praying because every once in a while, hope breaks through even for those that are that far from God. Amen, amen, amen. Let me give you another hope that I thought of, and I I know it's one that many of us need, and that is there is hope for hurting families. There is hope for hurting families. Every single week of my life, it seems that I talked to another family that's really going through a hard time, a marriage that's on the rocks, uh, parents and kids not getting along, all kinds of challenges that go on in, in the household. Uh, if, if there was ever a time in history when our homes really needed the presence and the power of God, I'm going to tell you, gang, it's now. It's now. I thought of Psalm 127. It's on your outline. 127:1. Read it out loud with me. It says, "Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted." And I thought of also in Colossians chapter one, how it describes Jesus. And it says, read it with me. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Now, why this is so important is that there are some of us, I guarantee you, we're going through a time in our family and we're going, you know, can even God do anything? The answer is yes, he can. Because when we really come to a place as husbands and wives and parents and children that we recognize the need for the power and presence of God and we truly humble our hearts and invite him in to those hard places, there's no limit to what God can do. Now, I could give you illustration after illustration of how I've seen that firsthand but I read a blog. This, this was so good. There was a woman, her name is Sarah, and she was writing uh, about her own, her own journey and marriage. And she talked about uh, back in 2015 how her 13 year marriage had finally just kind of come to a head. Um, she said, My husband and I had been just kind of growing apart. And she said, it just seemed like we were just constantly arguing and fighting and he had things he was doing, I was upset with and I, he had, I had things that I was doing, he was upset with. And she said, finally, on Easter Sunday of all days, on Easter Sunday of 2015, she said, when I came home, my husband had packed his bags and he walked out. She said, now, you have to understand, I'm a child of divorce And it threw me back to the day my father walked out. She goes, I was absolutely devastated. She said, my husband went to to live somewhere else for a while. and, And she said, my world came crashing down. And she said, what happened for me and happened for him was that in living in that moment of separation, she said, we realized that we're not gonna make it back at all. Without the intervention of God. And both of us began to hit our knees in desperation. And I, I love how she described it. She said, Every day of our separation, prayer was my food. She goes, I prayed for new life in our marriage. She said, we didn't need to go back and repair the damage. We needed to begin again from scratch. I wanted to start over with God at the center. With a, with a renegade faith, I prayed that the strongholds in our marriage would be broken and, and that nothing would permanently separate us. She goes, I prayed and I prayed and I asked God to show me what to do next. And she said, finally, after about a a couple of weeks of of separation, she said, she felt a nudge from God to invite her husband to come join her and the kids for dinner. And she said, and he accepted. She said, and I I prepared his favorite meal and I prepared his favorite dessert, which was cheesecake. And, And she said, I could tell when he walked in that something was happening inside of him. And she said, "We after dinner, we decided to take a walk. And as we took a walk, she said, we just began to, to talk together about, you know, what had happened to us and where we had been. And more importantly, where we wanted to be. And we both made the commitment that we wanted to be open to God to do something in us that would bring us back together. So cool. And then here's what she said. In the weeks to come, God softened both of our hearts. My husband put forth serious effort to change his destructive ways. I dialed back my expectations and I began to appreciate the good things that he brought to the table. She goes, in late May, my husband and I reconciled. We agreed to begin as a new couple in a new marriage. We agreed to move forward in faith. It's been years now since that painful Easter and here's what I've discovered. Our God specializes in not only resurrecting the dead, our God specializes in resurrecting the dead, whether it's deceased bodies or dead marriages. Sometimes I am amazed at how different my life is now that I'm not in survival mode. I constantly thank God that the destructive cycles no longer play out in our marriage. I praise him for answering my prayers for healing. In the year of our separation, I wouldn't have believed this much change was even possible. But with God, all things are possible. And the total transformation of our marriage is proof. God granted me renegade faith, I love that, so that I could fight for our marriage when it teetered on the edge of death. I give all the glory to God who allowed us to begin again on a healthy path. I'm not gonna minimize how hard it is sometimes for marriages to survive. I'm not gonna begin to minimize how hard it can be sometimes for healing to happen and new life to begin in a home. But here's what I wanna tell you. The resurrection reminds us that all things truly are possible. That when a man and a woman and, and, and children also, when we in, are in those relationships, when we truly humble our hearts before the power of God, there is no limit to what God can do. There's hope for our families. Can I give you one more? There is hope in our greatest trials and troubles. There's hope in our greatest trials and troubles. You know, I'm always amused when I I hear people um, teach a theology that says, if you just love Jesus, everything in life is going to go well. (laughs) I said, I don't know what God you're serving. I haven't discovered that one yet. And, uh, but here's what Jesus says. Jesus says in John 16, it's on your outline. He says, I've told you all of this so that you may have what? Peace in me. Read it with me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Stop, how many of you have found those words to be true? <laughs> in this world, you will have many trials and sorrows. Read it with me but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to run into all kinds of trials. You're going to have all kinds of sorrows. All kinds of things are going to happen, but you can take heart because I am going to be with you in the middle of those trials and those sorrows, no matter how bleak or how dark it becomes. I love how he says it, how the psalmist said it in Psalm 23, 4. Read it with me. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. That's why I put on your outline, peace is not the absence of fear. Peace is the presence of God in the midst of our fears. May 20th, 2013. How many of you remember that day? That was the day the F5 tornado tore through Moore, Oklahoma, wrecked all of our worlds, turned us all upside down. And in the aftermath of that, um, as a church, we were trying to figure out how to to respond to the need that people would have in the community. The day after the tornado, I had a, a friend of mine who called me and said, hey, uh, were you guys hit? I said, no. I said, our church was just uh, about a mile, or maybe away from where the tornado went through. I said, we've got several families in the church who lost their homes and obviously a whole community of devastated people. And they said, well, we want to we give some money, but we don't want to just give it to like the Red Cross or something. We, we'd like to give it to some people who are on the scene that maybe can get the money to people who actually need help. And uh, I said, well, yeah, we can do that as a church. If you want to make a check out to Chartel, we'll be happy to put that in a special fund and just pass that along. And it hit me that maybe maybe there would be other people that I knew across country that would like to do that as well. So I just made a post on Facebook and said, hey, many of you have heard about the tornado. Uh, our church is creating a disaster relief fund. If you'd like to help with that, here, here's our address. You can make your checks payable. You can do this. I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away because over the course of the next few months, we, we received over $200,000. Uh, of money that came in, that we were able to come alongside of people who fell through the cracks, who didn't have insurance, who needed to be in residences and all these kinds of things and, and provide. And, and it, was, it was so wild. When people ask me about what was that like going through that, I said, man, it's kind of like that book, The Tale of Two Cities. You know, it was the worst of times and it was the best of times. I mean, it was the horrible thing that you'd never hope happened, but I saw God show up in ways that were just absolutely Incredible. Uh, I was telling a couple not long ago that I had one day at the church where I had people that came through and I gave away over $20,000 uh, of, of money that for, for special things that we helped them with that they needed. And the very next day, we had pretty much depleted the account up at that point. And the very next day, I received $20,000 again uh, to, from people to be able to do more. And it, and it was just nuts. Never forget one 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 particular scenario. There was a woman who was a teacher from Briarwood which was one of the schools that was hit, and uh, she had uh, uh, Paul Ucker, who was the executive director of the Y. His wife taught at Briarwood, and uh, this woman was needing some help, and uh, she, Paul re- referred her to us, and she came in, and her name was Robin, and I said, um, I said, Robin, how can I help you? And she said, well, I've got two girls, and uh, she said, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, what you guys can do, but you know, we're we, we I lost everything. So, we're, we're going to need, uh, you know, if we can get some food and we can get some money for clothing, that would be great. And uh, if you guys can do that, Paul said you might be able to do that. I said, absolutely. I said, uh, uh, how about if I give you $500 in Walmart gift cards? I said, will that get you enough food and enough clothing for now? And she said, absolutely. That would be fantastic. She was beside herself with appreciation. We talked for a moment. And then I said, is there anything else we can do? And she said, well, no, she goes, I lost my car in the tornado. She goes, she goes, it was crazy as teachers. We all came outside after the tornado and we were excited because we thought somebody had moved all of our cars for us. And she said, and we found out that the tornado had just picked the cars up and wadded them up in a big ball and threw them into the field. And she said, I had an old car. She said, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a nice car. It was an old car. She goes, I only, but I only had liability insurance. So she goes, I've got to figure out how to get another car, but that's, you know, that you, you can't help with that. But that's, that's my next need. And I said, I said, Robin, I said, if if I could give you five thousand dollars to help you with a buy a used car, would, would, would that be of help to you? And she looked at me and she said, you can't do that. And I smiled and I said, That's kind of the really great thing about being me today. I can. I can. And, and I said, "I, I said, do you have someone help you can, that can help you find a car? She goes, yeah, my brother said he would help me find one. I said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to take your brother. I want you to shop, find a, find a good used car for you. Let me know where it is, and I will get a check to that company uh, as a down payment for your, your used car. Would that help you? And I never forget this gal just bursting into tears. And she just threw her arms around me, and I just stood her in my office. I just patting her on the back, and I said, it's okay. And, and, and you could tell, she, she thought she was all alone in this. She, she thought there was no way through this. And as I patted her back, I just said, Robin, you're not alone. God is with you, and we are with you, and we will get through this together. And it was one of those moments Where we begin to realize that in these dark, dark storms of our lives, when we think we're out there all by ourselves, we're not out there all by ourselves. Look at me. God is with us. Amen? He's with us. What does hope look like? I I saw a picture a couple weeks ago, and I thought this is a great picture of hope. Throw it up on the screen. This is a tornado that took place down in Texas. And you see the, the menacing clouds and you see that terrifying funnel. What else do you see? A rainbow. And when I saw that picture, I thought, Lord, that's hope. Not that we're going to escape the storms of life, but that you are going to be present with us no matter what we're walking through. Amen. I want you to bow your heads with me and just close your eyes for a second. And just a moment, I'd like to to pray for us. My question to you today is, could you use some hope? Are, Are you facing an impossible situation where you need a God to do what people are saying is impossible? Are you praying for someone today that seems so far away that they'll never come back and you need to know that the arm of God can reach them no matter where they are? Is, you, is your family or a family you're close to going through a time where you know they need the healing that only God can bring? Or maybe, maybe when I threw that picture up on the screen you were thinking, Pastor Steve, that's me, man. I am in the middle of a horrible, horrible storm and I need to know that God is with me. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, before I pray, I I wonder if there'd be any of you just honest enough to slip up your hand and say, Pastor Steve, I need hope today. I need hope. Wherever you are, just raise it high. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. 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 I appreciate your honesty, your vulnerability. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is our living hope. Let's pray together. Father, as we come before you today, you never promised that life would be easy. In fact, you promised just the opposite, that life would be hard, that there would be many trials and sorrows. And yet, in spite of it all, you said that we can take heart because you have overcome the world. Father, you saw every hand that was raised this morning. You know uh, every person watching online and what's going on in their life and how they need hope as well. Lord, I pray that you would just come alongside of each and every one. I pray that you would wrap your great arms of grace and power around them. I pray that you would remind them today that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that means that the resurrection power that he exerted 2,000 years ago, he can use today to change our lives and the situations we're in. Father, today, I pray that you would put your hand upon every shoulder. I pray that you would remind us today that you'll never leave us or forsake us. Father, I pray that you would give us the humility of heart to fall on our faces before you, to acknowledge that though life may be greater than us, it is not greater than you. Lord, I pray today, for those, Lord, who seem to be at the, at the end of their rope, those who don't know if they can take one more step, those who, don't, who, who have seen nothing but darkness for a while, Lord, would you breathe into them today a fresh new breath of your living hope. Father, we thank you today that the story didn't end on the cross That you were died, that you died, that you were buried, but God, on the third day, you rose from the dead. Help us, Lord, to walk, live in, and hold on to that resurrection hope today. These things we pray in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hey, it's really important to me and our staff that you know you are not walking alone through anything you are going through. And so today, as I as I preach, maybe there was something on your heart that's really heavy and you would like someone to just personally pray with you about that. Again, on your prayer card, just Write that down, just put your name and and a phone number on there and say, call me. And we will be happy as a staff to call you and pray with you over anything that you're going through. I believe that God wants us to lean into that hope that he has and if you'll open your hearts to us, we'll be happy to come alongside of you.